from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, dry eye and the position of the hinge of a femtosecond laser flap. Corneal sensation does decrease and is statistically decreased even a year out, which is all very consistent with long-term studies of corneal sensation and corneal innervation after LASIK even up to five years out. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Mian declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. No single department of ophthalmology has the best lecturers in every field. Open Ophthalmology is a meta-school in which lecturers from different departments have access to ophthalmology residents everywhere. I've seeded this marketplace of ideas with my own course on clinical optics. Who's your department's best lecturer? Let me know and come visit us at openophthalmology.com. Open Ophthalmology. Let a hundred flowers bloom. Dry eye is a common sequela of LASIK surgery. The mechanism may have something to do with severing corneal nerves when the flap is produced. To that extent, maneuvers such as relocating the hinge of the LASIK flap have been suggested. But there are so many variables in flap production, it is difficult to isolate hinge location from, say, the type of microkeratome employed. Shazad Mian has found a way to study hinge location in isolation, and I'm delighted to welcome him to a scene from here. Shazad, why do patients get dry eye after LASIK? Well, the basic understanding that we have is that we are cutting corneal nerves when we make flaps or do any kind of treatment, treatment to ablate the corneal surface. And by decreasing or affecting the corneal sensation, we're affecting the um, neuronal loop that um, triggers tear production uh, around the surface of the eye due to irritation. So probably decreased corneal sensation uh, produces a neuropathy which results in decreased tear production and therefore dry eyes. Shazad, can I get you to describe the femtosecond laser? Sure. So femtosecond laser is an ultra-fast laser which um, was uh, developed actually at University of Michigan um, and it is able to be focused and penetrate the cornea at the appropriate depth and cut the tissue. So it's a photodisruptive laser which uh, is focusable like the YAG laser and is able to um, cut the tissue without disrupting the surrounding tissue. It, it, with the size of the pulse of the femtosecond laser, it produces a one micron bubble size where it cuts the tissue, which th- converts the, the corneal tissue into carbon dioxide and water gas, which escapes either up through the epithelial surface or down into the anterior chamber, and by placing thousands of these pulses, uh, you're able to create a cleavage plane, both horizontally and vertically, to create a flap in the cornea. Um, because it's so fast, that, uh, you're, it's able to place so many pulses in a short period of time. So a 60 kilohertz uh, femtosecond laser can make a LASIK flap in 25 seconds. Prior to your study, what did we know about dry eye and the position of the hinge of the flap? So Donenfeld was one of the first people to publish data showing that um, that there may be an association between position of 
the uh, LASIK flap hinge and as well as its size to dryness after um, LASIK surgery. And uh, they showed in their studies that having a horizontally hinged flap and a larger hinge flap may uh, predispose to less dry eye after LASIK surgery. And their hypothesis was based on previous studies of corneal anatomy, which show that there may be more corneal innervation uh, which of the corn, uh, coming in horizontally. So the long posterior ciliary nerve has its branches that are more dominant in the horizontal plane versus the vertical plane. Therefore, if you make a horizontally hinged flap, you're cutting less nerves and therefore uh, producing less decreased corneal sensation and less dry eye compared to a superiorly hinged flap or a vertically hinged flap where you may be cutting more nerves because, again, they're coming in predominantly horizontally around 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock um, and get more of a dry eye. And in their studies, they were using microkeratomes, uh, blade devices to cut uh, two different devices, one to cut a superiorly hinged flap and one to cut a nasally hinged flap, one in one eye and then the other in the other. And, and they showed a significant difference at different time points. Um, the corneal sensation was decreased less so in the nasally hinged flaps as well as the dry parameters that they were evaluating were more significant in the vertically hinged flap. So what I was going to say, the, the purpose of looking at it with the interlace was uh, it was a newer microcarat or newer device that we're using to make flaps and LASIK, and we wanted to see how many patients got dry eyes, but also to see if using one device, one keratome, you uh, can also appreciate the same kind of difference that they were noticing with two different microkeratomes, because you cannot make a vertically and a horizontally hinged flap with a blade device. You can only do that with the laser with the same device. Before this study, what was known about dry eye and the femtosecond laser? There's actually no published data regarding dry eyes after using uh, a femtosecond laser to make LASIK flaps. Um, so it was not really clear how frequently you do see dry eye after LASIK with interlace or with the femtosecond laser, which um, there's a lot more data for, for, for the microkeratomes, the blade devices, which have been around for a lot longer. Um, we also ha were hypothesizing, which we're not really looking in the study, that the, the flaps that are made with the interlace are generally thinner than they are with the microkeratome, and that may have an impact as well. That was not a uh, factor that we're evaluating in this study. That's something that we're looking at now, but was not... Uh, looked at in this particular study. So the femtosecond laser, laser is able to make more uniform, thinner flaps um, and therefore may have a different uh, effect on the dry eye profile after LASIK. Can I get you to describe the design of this study? So this is an uh, institutional review board approved prospective randomized contralateral eye study with 66 eyes of 33 consecutive patients undergoing myopic LASIK. In this study, we were um, performing uh, LASIK with a vertically hinged flap in one eye and a horizontally hinged flap in the other eye. And um, so it was, uh, again, 33 consecutive patients. Shazad, can I have you walk me through the production of a femtosecond laser flap? Uh, I've done LASIK flaps with conventional microkeratomes, uh, but I've never used the femtosecond laser. Sure. So with a femtosecond laser, 
the flap, LASIK flap, is made by applying a suction device on the eye, which increases the pressure in the eye, just like with the microkeratome, but it generally doesn't go as high. It's probably closer to 40 to 50 millimeters of mercury. This is a disposable um, suction ring. And then a disposable applination lens, which is attached to the laser, is uh, docked onto the suction ring. Uh, this is then centered on the pupil and the suction ring is locked onto the applination lens. This is what allows for an accurate applination and therefore calculation of depth into the cornea because the surface of the cornea is applinated flat with this lens. Um, the laser is uh, programmed to uh, put those pulses at the specified depth from the surface of the cornea and therefore the surface of the applination lens into the um, desired depth. In this study, we were placed, making all the flaps 130 microns in thickness. And the hinge angle that we made with all these um, patients was a 45-degree hinge angle, which is all programmable with the femtosecond laser. After you dock it, you can center it on the pupil, and the, the settings are determined um, prior to doing that, but you can alter them for each eye. We were programming the flap to be 9 millimeters in diameter for all the patients. And the energy that it takes to uh, make the lamellar cut as well as the side cut is also, again, predetermined uh, based on the laser. What were your main outcome measures? So we were looking at um, dry eye parameters as well as corneal sensation. So corneal sensation was measured by central Cochet-Bonnet esthesiometry and the dry parameters we're looking at uh, symptoms through an ocular surface disease index questionnaire and um, corneal surface staining with fluorescein as well as conjunctival surface staining with uh, lysamine green. We were also looking at uh, Schirmer scores in these patients uh, to see if there was any change. Shazad, what were your results? Uh, there were, uh, these patients completed uh, 12-month follow-up, and uh, the mean follow-up was 11.2 months. And um, what we found was, uh, that between the two groups, that there was no uh, difference in um, corneal sensation at any time point um, up to 12 months out. There was also no difference in um, any of the staining scores between the two groups. However, there was a significant decrease in corneal sensation in both groups at one week, one month, six months, and 12 months. Uh, there was also a significant difference in um, change in ocular surface disease index score up to one week out, I'm sorry, up to one month out, and the um, Staining score was not statistically significant at any time point compared to preoperative values. So there was no difference between the two groups based on superiorly and temporally hinged flaps. However, there was a statistically significant decrease in corneal sensation, which was recovering over the follow-up time period, but was still decreased compared to preoperative values at one year. The ocular surface disease index score, again, was... Um, decreased compared to preoperative values up to one month out, and the, the corneal fluorescein staining score was decreased up to one week uh, out postoperatively, and then they recovered. Now, Shazad, if, as you say, the conventional thinking had been that the dry eye was 
a result of denervation of the cornea because the uh, largest bundle of uh, corneal nerves coming in nasally and, and temporally was being severed. Why do you think the flap location in this study did not matter? Well, based on our results, uh, that may not be a accurate uh, assessment that corneal innervation, even though we're not looking at corneal innervation anatomically, may not be uh, just predominantly um, horizontally placed. In fact, there is a study by um, Mueller et al. Uh, where they have revised their previous model based on confocal microscopy and have shown that the nerves actually come in more radially, not just horizontally. So this may be more consistent with their newer anatomical model based on confocal microscopy, which shows that corneal innervation is from all different directions, not just in the horizontal plane. So it may not matter whether the flap is horizontally or vertically hinged. But if that's true, why do you think the location of the hinge did matter with conventional microkeratomes? It's hard to say, but there may be other factors involved. And certainly in their study, they found a statistically significant difference. Uh, but again, they were using two different devices. They were using a different microkeratome for a horizontally hinged flap and a different microkeratome for a vertically hinged flap. And there may be differences in corneal thickness in the flaps that they're making as well based on the two different devices which were not accounted for in their study. And again, we weren't evaluating that in this phase of the, our study either. However, with, the micro, with a, a single keratome, you were able to more accurately control the depth in each eye um, than you can with two different devices in two different eyes. Now, although it's not something that you specifically studied, how do you think the incidence of dry eye in your study compares with the incidence of dry eye in patients having had LASIK with conventional microkeratomes? So in our study, the rate of dry eye based on symptoms was as high as 22.6% one week out and 21.9% one month out based on symptoms. And that was the strongest indication of dry eye compared to clinical signs where the most Again, frequent finding was corneal fluorescein staining, but that was only statistically significant up to one week out, and that was present in uh, up to 19% of patients. So overall, the rate of dry eye, even based on symptoms, is relatively low, and it is lower than many other published studies, but there are other papers that have retrospectively looked at this uh, in non-femtosecond laser settings or procedures where they found even lower rates. So there, there is a huge variability in the rate, as high as 60% and as low as 5%, where our rate was 22.22%, uh, but this was mild because uh, even based on the ocular surface disease index score being elevated uh, compared to preoperative values, the absolute value was still essentially in normal range. So the symptoms did increase based on the ocular surface disease index, but the reference was still within normal range in that, uh, in that scale. So overall, the rate of dry eye was low uh, symptomatically in patients with LASIK with the femtosecond laser. What role do you think flap thickness has to do with corneal denervation? Well, the flap thickness may have a significant role because uh, the deeper flap you cut, you may be cutting more nerves because the long posterior nerves, as they innervate the cornea, enter more deeply and then they become more superficial. So if you're creating a large flap, 
and it's deeper into the cornea, you may be cutting more nerves, plus you will be ablating at a deeper depth than you would otherwise. Um, there's some indication to suggest that um, degree of preoperative refractive error may be associated with um, uh, degree of dry eye after surgery, and uh, that would go along with a depth or thickness uh, factor. Uh, in, our, in this study, the, both the groups had equal preoperative refractive error, equal thicknesses, and uh, therefore equal depth of uh, flap and treatment uh, parameters. Um, so we did not, we were not able to detect a difference uh, based on thickness. Shazad, over what time period does the dry eye improve and, and does it return to baseline? Symptoms return to baseline by one month. They're significant uh, until one month. So at the three-month time point, which was our next time point after one month, they were back to normal. Staining scores were back to normal by one month. The corneal sensation was not even back to normal by one year. Um, it was still, even though the trend was recovery of corneal sensation, but even by one year, it was statistically significantly decreased compared to preoperative values. But again, the positive factors that we noted in our study, which were symptoms and corneal surface staining, both returned to uh, normal within three months. Shazad, what do you do in your own practice? Do you exclusively use the femtosecond laser? And where do you orient the hinge of the flap? Um, in my practice, we are uh, almost exclusively using the femtosecond laser to make LASIK flaps. And uh, I routinely still perform superiorly hinged flaps. Uh, and one of the reasons being that we did not find a difference in the study uh, between superiorly and temporally hinged flaps. Shazad, is there anything that you'd like to add? I think that overall, again, just as I've said, that um, I, our, my experience has been, and in the study that we've seen, that um, the dry eye certainly does occur after LASIK, even with a femtosecond laser, but it generally tends to be mild, and both in signs and symptoms, and it tends to resolve relatively early. Um, and however, corneal sensation does decrease uh, and is statistically decreased even a year out, which is all very consistent with st long-term studies of corneal sensation after uh, and corneal innervation after LASIK even up to five years out. Um, there has been shown to be a statistically significantly decreased degree of corneal innervation by confocal methods. So this is all very consistent with that, um, but we're finding with uh, perhaps thinner, more planar flaps that you make with LASIK, with uh, the femtosecond laser, that um, the symptoms may be uh, less and resolve faster. Shazad Mian, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you for calling. Shazad Mian is Assistant Professor and Residency Director and Director of Refractive Surgery at the Kellogg Eye Center at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Michigan. His paper, Effective Hinge Position on Corneal Sensation and Dry Eye After Laser Insight to Keratomyliosis Using a Femtosecond Laser, appears in the July 2007 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Mian or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. 
Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.